Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Okay, here we go, again. Welcome to Filthy Shambles, Season 3, Episode 26. It's 2024. I'm joined by Dan. Happy New Year, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, Happy New Year, pal. I'm all good. I'm all good. I'm uh, I'm more positive um, coming into 2024 from a Spurs perspective than I was going into 2023, which is always good. Yeah, I mean, the contrast is stark. It's stark. If... um. <coughs> If if you if listeners if 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 it's probably going to be a little bit like a, a Ange Postecoglou press of this because I've got a bit of a cough and a gravelly voice so excuse me <laughs> I struggle uh, struggle I struggle as it as it is uh, with just articulating my thoughts uh, it could be uh, extra problematic yes Spooky is sick again um, I'm like the Ryan Sessignon of podcasting to be fair like I'm yeah I'm, that's I'm that's, that's, a, that's a good shout but then the difference is is that people actually like you for the most part. <laughs> like, that sounds really hard. Oh, I'm not saying people don't so like hard. Ryan Sessignon. I'm not saying they don't <laughs> like him. But I definitely think people are, are, are less tolerable of... Like, I think it only takes seeing him on the bench these days and people are just like, oh, fucking hell. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, not, he's not that far away from being back. Am I, am, I, am I right in saying that? I'm sure someone... Couldn't care less, honestly. Like, it's, yeah, I've I've I tried to that. stand up for that geezer so much, and it's not his fault. His body's just made of absolute biscuits, isn't it? Like, yeah. And I, I imagine that he's probably at this stage. I I couldn't tell you if he's strong or weak mentally either. You'd imagine probably quite weak, given just how he his general demeanour is when he's on a football pitch for Tottenham Hotspur compared to I think he, he always is. lacked his... confidence didn't he I mean that was the problem he had a bit of the Jermaine Genuses about him but unlike yeah. Jermaine Genus who who knew how to turn up against Arsenal who yeah arguably like the biggest game of our season is against our rivals because you don't want to lose to your rivals and Genus got it and he had turned up for that but obviously he disappeared in other games Sessignon has always struck me as a player with an abundance of quality and ability, okay, in the championship, and and he just didn't seem to make the uh, upgrade to the Premier League, and he just got swallowed up by the the the, the pressure, the experience, and you know Spurs being Spurs, we have been a little bit messy with the way that we have attempted quite badly to manage certain players. But you're right, if you're made of biscuits, you're not really going to give yourself. <sighs> You know, I'd love really to can... see for him. I'd love to see him go almost on. go back to Fulham. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just go, just go back to somewhere that you will at least be liked by the fans instantly. Like just for going back there, he'll be welcomed and be given a chance. And he probably plays. I don't know. I don't think you're getting ahead of their left back at the moment. That Robinson looks pretty decent, but yeah, he just needs to go somewhere where he's just going to at least be. At least people are going to want. <laughs> they're going to be sort of wanting to see him play football. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I think the Spurs fans are just. Not, it's definitely not a personal thing against him, but I think they're just a bit like I don't know, a bit like Ndombele. Do you know what I mean? You're just sick of the idea of him playing for Spurs anymore because you just I know it's not going to work. 
I think Dan as well. I think a lot of these players are are remnants of of previous, oh, yeah, definitely that as well. You know, definitely that, like... failed experiments. So I think we we have moved on in so many ways. And I know there's redemption arcs. You know, we're going to talk about Lacelso um, at some point, and there, mm. there are one or two players that 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 are not reinventing themselves. If anything, Lacelso is actually he's showcasing the type of player that we, we, we signed him for uh, in the appearances that he's, he's been having for us recently. And um, you almost, you almost like the guy now because of the way that he fights. Um, he's like a, a, a cultured Eric Lamella. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He's a bit of a shithousery type of footballer that, that, that will go up, up to opposition players and, and have a go at them for no reason. You don't have to get involved, Gio. You don't need to do this, Gio. And he does it. Like yeah. overly protective of his teammates, and 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 I, and I I don't mind that as a little bit of an extra. Obviously, what you want to see him do is deliver on the pitch, because he's a player that plays with Messi in Argentina. You know, you know he has quality there, but he's never really shown it to us. He's another player that struggled with injuries and knocks, and 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 often you've kind of questioned his his attitude and his application within the Premier League. But he seems happy now, so. Mm. Um, there are redemption arcs, but however, there are players like Eric Dyer. There are players uh, like uh, Ryan Sessegnon who just remind us of slightly messier times, in, just in terms of yeah. And I think those know. two in particular, you don't dislike them, do you? I think we all like, don't. I don't think we feel one way or the other about Ryan Sessegnon, and almost kind of feel sorry for him more than anything. I, well, I yeah. probably feel a little bit like that. I know not everyone does. Um, but uh, but Eric but Dyer's definitely one that I think people like on a personal level. Um, we just you just know that they're not good enough anymore, especially yeah. in this system we've got. And you just need you you do want them to move on as much for themselves as much for us. Yeah, completely, completely agree. Let's uh, let's try and um, let's try and structure this. Um, obviously, I've got some notes that I've shared with you. My usual scribble. Scribbled, yeah, and like, uh, and like usual, uh, I've it for you, like within two minutes. Oh, no, no, <laughs> mate, listen, it, it's a shambles for a reason. Um, well, let's actually stop because the last time I recorded was like kind of post Christmas, so oh, yeah. I had I had really good intentions to, to, to do a little solo pod and to write up a few blogs over Christmas, but you know, it's people are not interested in, in listening and reading stuff, let alone me sitting down and creating stuff over that time period because we've got better things to do. Mm. Uh, so the games that we've kind of missed and we haven't spoken about on the pod is Everton, Brighton and Bournemouth. Um, now, obviously, we won two of those games. Yeah. Two two quite difficult games at home. I, 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 we, that we can go into the, the main reasons why they were difficult and why they're also good, very good wins. And obviously, the Brighton game um, in the middle of the two uh, was a defeat. Um, and, a, and a weird type of football game. It, mm. do, do you agree with the whole discussion around fatigue? Because obviously, you know, Postacoglu mentioned tiredness and one or two supporters or one or two people kind of said, nah, I'm not buying into that. We're playing one game a week, blah, 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 blah. But obviously the reality is we don't really have players to rotate. We're asking players to, to play every week because we do not have any other options and we're still yeah. losing players to injury in amongst the ones we've already lost and waiting, uh, waiting to come back. And obviously, we had a bit of a surprise over the festive period uh, with Bentoncourt, completely out of nowhere. No ITK about it. It's just in the starting lineup, which is incredible. In fact, 
his wife was ITK because she posted it on Instagram and everyone ignored that was her. Proper, that was proper Twitter meltdown, that, wasn't it? Like, everyone just, just couldn't believe it. And all of a sudden, it was like, we're going to win 5-0. <laughs> well, I, I, was in, I was in the beehive with, with T, uh, uh, Thelonious Filth of the Fighting Cock, and uh, obviously a good mate of mine. Um, and uh, we were chatting, um, and we were just we were doing our usual WWE uh, banter bit where we're like, players run out on the pitch Oh, Eric, Eric Dyer's coming on for Tottenham. Oh, no, hold on a minute. He's wearing a mask. He's pulled the mask off. It's Benton Carr. Benton Carr's back. <laughs> and we were doing, we were, we were just screaming at each other, like, like, uh, uh, JR and, and, and Jerry the King Lawler or, or whatever, <laughs> like just WWE commentators. And then it pinged and we kind of looked at our phones and we're like, Benton Carr, he's actually in the starting lineup. I mean that it was just an absolute bizarre moment. Obviously, Spurs kept it under wraps. He's been in training a lot earlier than we thought he was. Oh, but what a silky player to have him back because it changed one player changes everything. Let alone welcoming back three or four other players. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it, 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 I mean that was that was that was a lovely way to kind of start. Um, uh, no, that was New Year's Eve, wasn't it? That was a lovely way to end the year, the year. Yeah, and obviously yeah, yeah. Have, having him back. But you know, we still we're still waiting for one or two other players to come back. But what were your picks? Um, I mean, do you agree with the fatigue thing? Just to go back to that question before we we move on to Everton and Brighton as well. Yeah, I think I definitely think it's it's a it's a nuanced conversation, isn't it? Because we you're right, like for the most part, like you know we 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 do only have one game a week for most of the season. It's only like that typical Christmas period, especially with the games you just mentioned. It was about what what is it? Three games in eight or nine days or something. Yeah. So yeah, it's not quite once a week all of a sudden, and that's and even if you we had that, I think if we'd have had that um, run of fixtures with a fully fit squad, it wouldn't have felt. Like a need to bring that up as, as an excuse, right? Yeah. But the, the fact is, we we've got both centre back, both both centre backs are gone now, injured, right? And Romero's probably going to be out for all of Jan, isn't he? Really? Yeah. So both centre both centre backs are out for that period of time. Madison's obviously been out. We've we've got no Basuma. Um, Bentacor wasn't out for two of those games. It wasn't in for two of those games. Sorry. So there's extenuating circumstances there as to why there might be some tiredness for players who maybe aren't playing as regularly and then all of a sudden they're being they're they're having three games within eight or nine days thrust upon them that can be tiring right um and i think ultimately when they're not as as good as the first choice starters anyway as soon as they get a little bit jaded or you're asking them to you know play against pretty tricky opposition against teams like Bournemouth this season and um even Everton have just been in really good form before we played them and Brighton, obviously, they're no mugs. Like they're all three pretty decent, tricky games. So I think to come out of that with six points was 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 really good going. So the the, the tiredness thing, I think, is valid to a certain extent. Um, mm. It's not obviously anywhere near the same as a, um, a a decimated Newcastle squad. Who, like, you know, let, 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 I'm I'm going to say this, and obviously, like, we can all form our opinions on whether yeah, Newcastle yeah. should have that excuse mm. or not. But the reality yeah. is, is that they haven't got a humongous squad in terms of depth of quality either. They're not a Man City level of squad yet, are they? Like they're, they're, They've had a lot of players who are, for the most part, overachieving, similar to what we've had in the past and what their actual yeah. ceiling is. Yeah, and agreed. They were playing Champions League football with a completely decimated squad. That That's, that's a valid tiredness argument, right? So, yeah, I think 
possibly just for that period of time, that three days, it's probably valid, but it shouldn't be anything else that we use as an excuse moving forwards, considering we've only got three games in January. Yeah, January, for all the talk around January, um, I mean, to be fair, all the talk around January is getting players in early just to get them kind of, you know, prepared and conditioned. Settled, yeah, 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 and up to speed and whatever else. Because games-wise, we've got Fulham, obviously, in the FA Cup. We've got Man United away, which is a big game, you know, in my but opinion. Fulham, it's a very mean big Burnley. Game. Burnley, isn't it? Sorry, correct. Burnley away in the Cup on Friday. Man United away, and then Brentford, I think, on the last day of the month, uh, midweek. Yeah. Uh, it, so, yeah, it, it, no, and yes, there are players leaving us for international duty as well. You know, for everyone who's coming back, we still have these obstacles um, to kind of navigate uh, uh, around, but such is this season. It's not been an easy season in some ways. I quite like the fact that it hasn't been easy because, as much as I would like everything to be plain sailing, because it would probably mean we would be top of the league and talking about the league title right now. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, it, it's kind of proving how much strength and tenacity um, not 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 just the manager uh, possesses, but the players and the culture that now exists within Tottenham like there is belief in amongst uh, the squad uh, in amongst the fan base and and just in amongst the 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 ambition that we have like the 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 whatever you want to call it whether you whether you want to call it a project whatever the players are calling whatever Ange is is referring to you know he often talks about being good enough to be able to challenge for everything, and you have to build towards that. And I think he's he's always thinking um, uh, about the future. And it, we're not talking about years and years into the future. We're talking about the steps necessary to be uh, contenders, to be genuine contenders. Um, and all these obstacles, and all these injuries, and all these suspensions, and everything else that's happened hasn't been ideal. It's kind of ruined things. In, in some ways, but, but mm. you've got to pull the positives out of it. And the positives are we have time and time again proven uh, that there is a backbone, there is a spine to this football club again, finally. Um, Everton were banging form mm. and they were, they were you know, and I mean this as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, especially away from home. They've been really good. But in that game, they were absolute bastards. In, in, and I mean that as a compliment. They were very, very difficult to play against. Um, obviously, we kind of lost our way in, in a patch where they came into it a little bit more. But again, we just we just, we just, just adapted and we did enough to to take the three points. And, and Bournemouth, another team who were in form. Um, in fact, they were probably the most informed team in the Premier League at the time. I heard today that Solanke's got 12 goals in the Premier League this season. That fucking absolutely blew my mind. There's two goals behind Haaland. Do you know, like, yeah. He's, he's yeah. having an amazing season. Yeah, he is. For a, having, for his, for, based on his standards, what he normally achieves. Yeah, he's having a cracking season. And and again, it's, you know, a lot of people, I say a lot of people, I mean, these are just discussions I have with people I know, um, let alone the ones that I don't know that I argue with on, online. Um it's it's okay for Spurs to win difficult games um in in with difficult methods you know we're not we're not going to smash every single team especially at the minute and to come through those games playing the way that we did um I was happy the Brighton game was interesting because I thought the first 20 minutes or so we looked fantastic we just didn't have that that kind of cutting edge in the final third 
And then obviously we kind of imploded a little bit. And in the last 20 minutes, we, we probably should have, we should have pulled it back to 4-4 to be fair. I was actually quite disappointed we didn't. Considering... It's a bizarre ending to that game. Yeah. And, and, and it was one again that I can accept. You know, you can be, you can be critical. And I think many of us were of certain things in that game. But at the same time, you kind of left thinking, well, look, it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not disastrous. Like, I don't think at any point this season, I've I've come away thinking, oh my god, like what the fuck is wrong with us? We are fucking awful. We are diabolical. You can only make that conclusion, by the way, after several performances that kind of match each yeah. other. Even when we lost three on the trot, I never felt that we deserved to lose those three on the trot. So I don't think we've had slumps this season. We knew it was going to happen. We had them, but I've, I, my my uh, my kind of Support for Postacoglu has been, well, you're kind of passing the tests. Even when we're kind of failing the results, we're seeing enough. I mean, I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. Mm. You might have your own uh, kind of opinion. Again, again, it's not like a yes or no question answer. No, I mean, I, I think I think you're, you, you're right. He is early. I mean, we're certainly passing the test in that respect. I would actually say that we had the, the games that where we lost like the three on the bounce or didn't win in five and stuff. I would argue that those a lot of those performances, apart from Wolves, were better than yeah. what we actually saw in any of these three games that we've just gone through. I don't think we were fantastic against Everton and probably quite lucky to come away from that with a win. Yeah. And then Bournemouth, I thought, was a really bad first half and we got much yeah. better in the second half as it went on. And uh, Brighton was a total clusterfuck. You know, it was an off night. Yeah, I think we can write that off as an off night because there were so many poor performances that they just they they just couldn't. I mean, Brighton. Don't get me wrong. I think they completely outthought us in terms of their tactical plan as well. Like they basically played six people as far forward as they could just to completely overlay overload the the wide the wide areas and the spaces that were vacated by our fullbacks who go into midfield. So we because we essentially have two at the back at times, right? So. They just completely. I think Deserby just, you know, it was a bit of a Deserby masterclass that night as mm, well. Mm. As uh, as much as you know, because they had a lot of injuries. Brighton going into that, they didn't have uh, players like Mitoma, and I think Ferguson was a doubt. Obviously, he came on, but you know, they had they had apparently several injuries or something like that. And you know, I think fair play, Brighton are a good side, and they just played really well that night. But having said that. There were two really. There was just two dumb penalties that we gave away. I mean, the Kudasevsky one's unforgivable. He's holding on to the guy's shirt for about seven seconds or whatever. And you just what? At what point does he in his brain does he think I need to let go here? Because if he goes down, I'm gonna yeah. definitely gonna get caught out and given a given a penalty away. And then he got himself banned for the next game with a booking in that game as well. So he had a bit of a stinker all night. Did Decky? Do you then... think a lot of those kind of mistakes because the Basuma stuff? You could argue Basuma. Obviously, his he's speci- he's speciality, his superpower is that he's press resistant, right? Mm. If you push into Basuma, he knows he, he instinctively knows how to get away from you and protect the ball, yeah, yeah, yeah. protect himself. But when he has time to think, he's a little bit more clumsy. He goes with studs up. He, he kind of follows through a little bit too late, picks up unnecessary red cards. Like, do you think? Uh... Do you? I mean, because Postacoglu. See, the thing is, the thing is, with any football manager, they're never gonna 
well, unless you're Conte, you, you're never going to throw anyone under the bus, right? You're always going to protect the team. Oh and no, the I'm not saying I'm not saying he should. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm not saying he should. Like, mm. these no, no, happen, I'm not saying that. But, but I'm, call, I'm calling it for what it is. Like it was stupid. Oh yeah, hundred percent. He, he was, and was stupid. And, and was poor on the night, and Marcelo yeah. was stupid for the one he gave away. Like he tried to go through the, you, between the back of someone's legs. Like in the do box. you think what it's a disciplinary doing? problem, Dan? Do you think we have a disciplinary problem? Do you no, think, no. Do you think it's just lethargic? Uh, uh, tiredness, or just, I mean, if, if, if it's, you could argue there's a pattern there because we have, we've 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 received a lot of yellow cards and a lot of red cards, so you, yeah, you could argue that we're ill-disciplined. I'll give you because... an example. I think that there's a few things that are happening this season that you could probably say fall into some form of pattern. Now, okay. one of one of those is that we've got. Um, one of our most frequent injuries is hamstrings, and a lot of that's going to come down to playing style. When you're an aggressive pressing side, and you're probably going to be very, you know, in in, in really kind of high intensity training sessions that try yeah. and match that as well. Yeah, you, I, I think especially at the beginning of uh, a manager's tenure, like like Postecoglou's is with us, and when I remember Klopp when he went to Liverpool, we had they they picked up hamstring injuries galore in his first few months there. Yeah, There's, good point. And I've seen articles, I think, today that Ange had the same, and over the over the weekend, Ange faced the same thing when he went Celtic as well. Okay. He had a lot of injuries at the start of his time there. And it's normally a phase, and then that typically goes away after a bit because it's an adjustment period that you're going through to the playing style, right? And, you know, so like, I was speaking to a friend over the weekend, he was saying, like, someone's got to be asking questions about what's happening. It's like, well, I'm sure they are, but also I don't think you need to. It's just so, to me anyway, I'm not trying to belittle people or seem high and mighty here, but it's a pretty obvious thing that when you've completely changed the way you're being asked to physically perform on a day-to-day basis, yeah. it's going to do different things to your body. And then when you're getting trends of the same type of injury across a squad, well, then you've pretty much got your answer, right? So there's good, But there'll be an adjustment period where they'll become more resistant to stuff like that. Now, the other thing is then when you are being aggressive like that and you're being asked to try and win the ball back in an aggressive fashion as quick as you possibly can, I don't know if it's a discipline issue. I just think that it's a symptom. What's symptomatic of that is that you are going to pick up more bookings and some players in certain positions where they're a bit more exposed, i.e. Bissouma and the centre-backs perhaps and the full-backs as well, they're going to pick up bookings. It's just, it's, you know, it's just, it's just part and parcel of what... Of, of of what it is, I, I definitely don't think it's a discipline issue because I think mm. that we're seeing a phase that we're going through right now that we won't see probably quite in quite the same way between now and the end of the season or even next season. You know? Yeah, like, I, I, I I agree. It's a transitional period in terms of fitness, mm. in terms of style, um, and, I, and I think you're right. I think what's happened this season has been has been. <sighs> It feels like it's been ridiculous because we've never had this many first-teamers out at the same time. It just seems bizarre, but then it seems quite logical as to as to why when you try to delve into the details. Um, let's uh, let, let, let's actually, because there's no point going into the details of the, the Everton-Brighton-Bournemouth game because they've been mm. and gone, everyone's digested them, seen the highlights and, and, and passed on. But there's, there's a few things to pick out. Let's start with, with, with your boy, Pigeon, Richarlison, five in yeah, five mm. um, against Bournemouth. When we, we, we played that counter, it was such a good counter-attack and, and Richie had a chance to kind of curl it into the, into the goal and he missed. Yeah. I was like, it. fuck, man, Richie was so easy. And he was, it's typical that he's 
he he he's like this kind of paradoxical Brazilian type of player because in those moments Brazilians traditionally will just be very composed and, and they will find the back of the net. They will pass the ball into the back of the net. Mm. Richie is he kind of falls into the more British style forward where, you know, you uh, if you've got a second to think, you're overthinking, you mm. know. And when he's instinctive, he will find the back of the net. Um, but you can't argue with those stats. He's... He he's, he has genuinely looked like a different person, let alone footballer, since coming back from from having surgery. Uh, you've mm. got to be happy for him at this point, and 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 it's good that he's scoring because we're going to lose Son uh, for a while now. Um, yeah. You've got to be happy with him, yeah. You're going to have yeah, to be I'm... donning that Brazilian shirt back at Tottenham yeah. soon. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm proper buzzing for him because I I think you. When, when you've got someone like him whose work rate has never, ever dipped in his entire time of being a Spurs player, like, I think that he's always tr- tried more than any, than, like, than, than Vincent Janssen or Roberto Soldado ever did in a Spurs shirt, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, we, like you had players like Roman Pavlichenko who could score goals, but it was lazy as fuck, right? Yeah. Whereas this guy, like, he runs, he runs around and he's, he's literally, he's, he's, I think he's finally going to be the one to break the number nine curse at Spurs because every fucker who wears that shirt just turns out to be a dud. And like, they, they, look at them, like Pavichenko, then you had Janssen, then Soldado, like all the ones that have worn that shirt, that shirt number, they've yeah. all been shite. Whereas yeah. this guy, like I just, he, you can tell he's got ability and he works hard and it was just, there was just something missing. And it was interesting. I was, um, Aurelio Gomez was on TalkSport today and um, it was talking about the fact that, you know, he was talking about Richarlison's like his friend and he was talking about, mentioned, they discussed Richarlison and, a, and a, about a few different things about him. And yeah. one of them was that, you know, he has been completely different since the had this surgery and stuff. And he was talking about the fact that he urged him to have it in in June last of last year. Oh, right. Okay. And he said he didn't want to because he said, he, I, I want to get picked for the Brazil squad. But he was saying, but then Gomez was saying to him, yeah, but what you've got to think about is, what, imagine if you're fifty percent for the Brazil squad, though, or if you're fifty percent for Tottenham. And the problem is, is that players will do that all the time, but they want to try and play through these things because they don't want to get lost. They don't want to be out of favour. But now that he's finally done it, he does look completely different, and he looks like he's moving more freely. His hold-up play looks a lot better. He looks less distracted on the pitch. Like he's not second-guessing things as much, and. I mean, his finishing has just been brilliant. Like the runs that he's making to actually get into the box in the first place have been brilliantly timed. Let alone the execution when he's getting on the end of stuff. Um, and we need this to continue now because, as you say, like we've got three games in January without Son, and you know, I think that we've got people who can provide for him. Um, mm. That's going to be the key, though. Is he, one thing he needs is service. Um, I don't yeah, think yeah, he's quite sure. the same as someone like Son who can make a, some of his opportunities for himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, he gets on the end of things. So, you know, and I mean, you look at the goals he scored against Everton and Bournemouth. They were carbon copies of each other, by the way. Like Johnson getting wide right, flashing a ball, a low crossing that he just runs onto and just delicately puts it, like plays it past the keeper. Like, I think that there's a form, there's a winning formula there uh, with the likes of like you know uh, Johnson who can who can get assists for him. Um, well, let's let's actually move on to Johnson because, like, in the Bournemouth game, he was getting dog's abuse by um, the, the the chaps in front of me who are your kind of typical screaming abuse. was in abuser. my WhatsApp group as well of just playing. He needs to get into it more. He's, like, you know, not doing enough and stuff like that. I don't know who I was 
talking to who was I talking to? And we were chatting about um I think it might have been in Beaver Town after the game. Mm. And we were chatting about how when Madison's back in the team, like Johnson won't need to run the forty yards that he was running in that game to get onto balls. That it will be a lot tighter and the release will be a lot closer to the penalty area. So he'll get onto he get onto through balls with 20 yards to run onto. It felt mm. like he was always distanced from where he was. And often his self-awareness in in, in, to, in, in, in regards to running into space. Um, there's a couple of players that actually failed to do it during, during the Bournemouth game. Um, but the thing is, the reality is that when he is in those positions, like his deliveries uh, are, I mean, you saw it with, with, with Richarlison's uh, goal, um, you know, it's just inch perfect, and it's where it needs to be. So, you know, with me, just I just wanted your opinion on how you thought he was doing. I mean, me personally, I think he's still young, he's still raw. I think he will benefit by having better players around him that 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 are inventive and creative and and, and can feed him at yeah. the right time because I think he's incredibly on the ball. I think he's incredibly good. Yes, you know, there's an argument to be had. I feel that people. Uh, against Spurs fans, either think he he isn't bullish enough, but I've also spoken to people that think he does get stuck in. But he, but I definitely agree that he he can be more aggressive. But again, mm. he he's making a massive jump up. No disrespect to Nottingham Forest, but he's jumping into a football club that the, the pressures and the stresses are a little bit different. The expectancy from the fan base is a, is very different, and and the quality of players around you is also. Um, several levels above Forest, so yeah. some of those are good things, but some of those also ampl- will amplify his weaknesses or magnify his weaknesses rather. Uh, yeah. and, and I think it's a bit harsh to be slagging him off. I, you know, he's not good enough. Get him out of the team. He's shit. We need, mate. Come on. Like, well, I'll be honest. For someone who's probably playing a lot more football than we would have thought when he first came in, considering the injuries that we've had, like when everyone's fit, I think at the moment you've got Rasson on the left, Richarlison through the middle, and Kulusevski on the right. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you've got Madison in the ten, and then there's nowhere else for Johnson in that team. All of a sudden, so when everyone's fit, like he probably won't start games anyway, but he's a brilliant impact sub to be able to bring on a different option to bring on because because physically he's got everything. You know, like he's athletic, he's got great pace. Um, I think he has definitely got like you know the strength to be able to hold people off. Like he's not like a Brian yeah. Hill in that sense. Um, and I think it's just a case of being able to put it all together at times for him. I think because there's definitely times where we see what he should be doing and then it doesn't come off. And then I think that's where the groans come from, you know. Because yeah. but 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 he'll be aware of that in himself, and so will the coaching staff. I think his finishing definitely needs to improve. I think he misses easier chances than the more difficult chances. Yeah, at times, which he's is one composure. of those conundrums. Like yeah. I think there was that chance he went through against Brighton. That had to be a goal. Like he had to take that. He had to have a better first touch, get it in front of him, get it out of his feet, and then get it in the goal. Whereas yeah. his first touch set him back and allowed the defender to get a goal side of him. So the chance gone. And yeah, yeah. There's other Agreed. times where you've seen him strike a ball from outside the box. I mean, he hit the post twice against Newcastle, didn't he? Like he's making, uh, he's 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 got. He seems like he's more capable of scoring a wonder goal than an easy chance. So he needs to kind of correct that, right? And I think once somewhere he in the middle. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think once he corrects that, I think his goal numbers will start going up. And yeah. um, he's already able. We've already seen he's capable of delivering assists. I think if he was not even looking like he can create chances, we'd have a bit more of a problem. But, I mean, look at some of the big ones this season. So, Everton, Bournemouth, 
He's then also put that great assist to get the equaliser against City earlier in the season. That yeah. moment when he came on the came on against Crystal Palace and he sort of done that brilliant sort of header over the player to beat them and then sort of put the ball into I want to say it was Sonny. You, you know, like he's yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, there's been lots of really good moments for him this season. I think there's a lot of at the moment is more potential than what than realization, right? But he's 22 but, years but, old. Exactly, but the thing is, in, in all those examples, Dan, you can you when you're watching him, you can see that it's not well, just is there. Yeah, it's not like it's it's blind hope with someone like Sessignon, for example, where you expect him to be a player or you want him oh, to be a player. But just it's... the player I was thinking of, Sessignon. So you talk about when he moved from Fulham to Spurs, and never once has he looked comfortable, looking like he's even wants to be on that football pitch at times it looks like yeah. right whereas Johnson I think he looks like he welcomes it with a look with a bit more he looks physically more built for the Premier League to be honest with you yeah. than a lot of these players yeah. so I don't think he's one to worry about and I think that when everyone's fit he's a very valuable squad player and probably not quite a starter um, but can develop into a really good player for years to come for us yeah agreed well talking uh, about years to come Saar New contract to 2030. Bosh. I mean, mate, there are players... I mean, at the moment, to be fair, like, if you do the the classic, who's your favourite Tottenham player? You know, like like it's a boy band. Like, there's so many... week, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but there's um, an affinity with Tottenham. Like, it's very similar to how you felt about the Poch, the prime Poch team, where you loved Jan... And uh, Toby, and just all that you could go through all the players, and you just, you know, Deli Ali, you just absolutely adored these players because not only were they top, top players, but they were all likable in a way that, you know, uh, you, you, you kind of dream your team, you, you want your dream to be almost perfect, right? And, you know, player pound for pound, player for player, our first, our starting at 11. Um, is exactly that. There's so many personalities. There's so much quality. There's so much um, kind of individualism in amongst it. And Saar is this, this guy who, you know, a lot of people have been talking about this. A lot, a, a lot of kind of meme tweets. You know, he, you know, he was it away to. Was it, what, what, who did we play away? Madrid, AC Milan, AC Milan. Yeah. It was AC, not yeah. Madrid. I'm talking about. Um, you know, Saar. Run, you know, was running first the show start, first start of the season. Yeah, it's just absolutely, you know, the maturity levels of 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 a twenty eight year old experienced world class player. You know, he just does, didn't look phased at all. And Antonio Conte, for whatever reason, didn't fancy him again after that. Um, and, and and now now you look at him, you know, again he's another player who 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 is very very young, but he, he's also very exceptional and he's not phased. He's composed. He's mature. He's obviously quite talented. He's going to get better and better and better. And he's incredibly likable. I mean, um, it's Took just so important. Well as well, didn't he? Oh, like, yeah. That, that, that finish was like class because that, I think he's someone who we've seen shoot from distance a lot and it and it just rolls slowly wide, doesn't it? And he just yeah. hits a ball completely. If he can, yeah. if that's something he, I, you imagine that's something that an element of his game that he's probably been wanting to work on a lot because a midfielder of his quality should probably be capable of getting I don't know eight goals a season or something like that mm. so if it, if that's something if that's a part of his game that he can sort of like really start working on like I, th- I think he'll go to a completely another level to be honest yeah with you. and I think it's great that you got the likes of Benton Core 
um, mm. uh, in 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 the squad. I mean, obviously, I know Benzikoy is back, and and Sar is away now with Senegal, and he's likely to be away all the way to the final because I think they're they're, they're one of the favourites, if not well, the they favorites. won last time, didn't they? Well, so they are exactly. the favourites. Um, but you know, to have to have a midfield where you know you players can almost mentor other players. Mm. Um, I think is really important. I think there's a great balance of kind of uh, poten- potentially prime players. I mean, Benton Co, I think, injury-free next season. I think we're going to see the very best of him in the, in this particular team playing this type of football. And to have mm. Saar in there learning and getting better is is, is just fantastic. Um, I feel that there's so much to talk about, Dan. So I'm kind of jumping from one thing to the next. But let, let's go back to one of the re- re- uh, redemption arcs. Giolo Celso having a little bit of a renaissance. He was man of the mm-hmm. match against Bournemouth. Um, his contract, I mean, there are talks, you know, are we gonna are we gonna sell him on? Is he replaceable? What would you do with him? Um, because he seems quite happy, but obviously they're yeah. just words in, in in an interview that he has to give for Tottenham. Do you think he is um someone that that kind of has longevity with with Postacoglu's team is he someone we can trust do you still think he has that he has to give us another 10 15 games to actually prove he can be consistent and influential do you know what I mean Madison you know what Madison's going to do he's going to assist and score and he's going to change the dynamic of our, our, our front three and the way mm. we push from midfield into attack you know Lacelso is is someone who can dig deep and he does have quality. He does have vision. Yeah, yeah, he can yeah. score. But he still seems to be a bit of a conundrum. Because it's part of you, it's part of me that thinks, can I completely trust him? Um, where where um, do you fall in, in that I, I, in that debate? Yeah, and I get I get where you're coming from because all we really, the, the, the only time before now that we really saw him have a good run of form in, the, in, in a Spurs team was um, under Mourinho where there was a three-month period when he was the only decent informed player in the team. <laughs> he could not be the best player because Kane was injured, Son was injured, like everyone else was out of form. And then you had Lucas, we had fucking Lucas Moore up front. Do you know what I mean? Like it was just a hectic time, right? Yeah. And since then, you know, he's had ridiculous amounts of injuries. He's been out on loan. Like it's just all sorts of stuff, right? Um, and he's had, and he's been in poor form as well, like when he has played previously. But yeah. I'll be honest, so far under Ange Postacoglu, he, he, he hasn't really put a foot wrong, has he? I mean, even in pre season, he was looking really good. So, yeah. you know, I think, um, I think if they if the club were to, you know, I don't th- I don't think that they can, I don't think I could really argue with the club whichever decision they decide to make because if he's a player who you could potentially could you imagine getting thirty million quid for Lacelso like you you you'd bite a club off at the at the at the sh- you bite their arm off at the shoulder wouldn't you for that sort of money for a player like him based on what yeah. he's given us over the years yeah. Um, but at the same time, it depends when that offer comes in because if he's only got a year left in the summer, we ain't going to get that sort of money. But I don't think we should be forced into having to try and sell him this January because I just genuinely don't think squad-wise, depth-wise, we can afford to do that right now. Yeah. Like we cannot afford Fair. to let him go this 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 window. So it's, oh, no, I, no, no, 100% think, not. Had everyone been fit, I think we could have seen a, him going, potentially, even though he'd been playing well because... There's nothing wrong with selling players who are playing well if they're not going to be part of your long-term plans in the first eleven yeah. because they're replaceable, right? But yeah. like, like I've, you know, you see club, you see the best clubs do that all the time. They'll they'll sell good. We've seen Man City sell really good players and think what the yeah. fuck, but it doesn't stop them, does it? So, um, 
obviously, I know we're in a different position to Man City, but the, 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 I'm making a general wider point. But but with him, I think um, if he was to also renew his contract, um, I think that would be a, I think that would be a positive at the moment because, as I say, I don't think he's put a foot wrong under Anne so far. Mm. I think the main thing is that Anne seems to like him. You know, mm. the other managers didn't really seem to have much time for him. So the fact that we've at least got a manager who doesn't give a fuck if he's like I've got a prickly personality or whatever. He just likes what he, what he does on the football pitch, seemingly. You know, Ange doesn't seem to bond too tightly with any of the team anyway. Like we know yeah. this about Ange that he, yeah. he remains quite a distanced figure from the right from the team members, right? Yeah. So I don't think that will matter. I think as long as he's doing what he needs to do on the football pitch, Ange will always, you know, have time for him and want him in the squad because yeah. Madison is going to get injured for Spurs again in the future. He, he like next season he will face two to three months out. He does it every season, right? So you mm. need to then have someone who can come in like Celso, who is going to get game time. If we're in Champions League or Europe, we're going to need him. You know, he's going to get plenty of game time. Yeah. That, why did you have to say two to three months out again for Madison next season? That that is, he just that will. Is, he just that's an inception every, I don't want to deal with. It he right does it now. every that's year. Gonna, like, way, he does it every single year. There's some players who you just what you know they're going to get injured at some point in the season. We knew Kane was going to get an ankle injury once a season. He'd done it for years. It was only the last few years he managed to stay injury-free because he completely transformed the way he played, right? Because he became such an amazing like player in that way, right? But and yeah. he, he wasn't being asked to run as much and all that sort of stuff. But like, I mean, Madison, like his injuries aren't muscular. He picks up knee and ankle injuries every season, and I think in this style of football, it's gonna, that's going to continue happening. Romero's another one; he gets injured every year, but it's not a problem if you've got backups for these people. It's a problem now because we don't really have backups for these people. Lacelso for yeah, Madison, absolutely fair. fine, but we've got fuck all for Romero, and we've got fuck all for Van der Ven apart from apart from two fullbacks by trade. So yeah. know, that's where we're at. Um. Uh, what, what I wanted to, in terms of this segment, I, I do want to mention one other person before we get to like January and the return please. of Mickey van der Ven. Oh, please um, be my favourite signing of the summer, please. Well, of course. It's, it's Vic, isn't it? It's, uh, Mate, I love that Venom. guy Venom. so much. <laughs> I love him so much. He's captain material, right? <laughs> even even with the fact that we're going to be missing all three captains, uh, <coughs> surely he's the guy that gets the, the armband. I think it. I think I don't think it will be him. I actually think Ooh. it will be Ben Davis. But I'll, I'd, I'll love it. I'd, love, shout, I'd, I'd love for it to be you know Ben Davis is ten years of the club, isn't he, or whatever. But I'd love for it to be Vicario. Like I've never felt like more. Um, I don't know what the actual word is. Kind of like in justified in an opinion. Well, justified <laughs> an opinion I had for someone of give him a chance when they came in, and he's repaid me in spades, mate. He's been unbelievable. He is such a dominating uh, personality in terms of, you know, we, 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 we look to sign a goalkeeper that would fit the football, which means we have to play um, from the back. So he has to be good with his feet, but he has to be confident. A lot of, a lot of the problems with, with keepers who try to play out from the back is that they don't often believe they're going to find a player with the pass. Mm. And there's this thing about this synergy between a defence. And obviously we have wobbled recently because we haven't got two centre-backs. A big shout-out, by the way. We probably don't have time to go into it on this pod, but Davis and Emerson, as full-backs, in, 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 as centre-backs, have done extremely well considering they're not meant to be playing in those positions. And Ben Davis especially needs to, 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 you know, to get a shout-out. He shouldn't even be in the team, arguably, some people would say. But he, again... 
it's testament to Antipostokoglu and, and training and preparation and conditioning and just the culture of the club that he's come in and he's done a job. He's been very disciplined. Emerson, I thought, was brilliant. Uh, has been brilliant as well at the back for us. Not always. He's been a bit shambolic too because, again, he's not centre-back. I think he's um, been poor the last few games. Oh, I think he was... Mass- okay. I think he was I th- I've got to be honest. I thought he was massively shown No, no, that's fine. We can disagree. Bright- I thought against Brighton specifically, I thought he was massively shown up. Just because, it's- But he's only been shown up because he doesn't have the instincts that a, that a centre-half has to sniff out snuff out danger in the same way that agreed you know I mean it's also more, it's, it's not really his fault but no no he, we can't really keep playing him there we need to get a, a proper center half in that position because I Ben Davis I didn't think more attuned to it than he does yeah Davis I think he's a probably a better defender in in, in because he's played there before uh in the past as well um just on 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 Bournemouth's physicality and pace and the rest of it I, I actually was worried about that game pre-game mm. Before kickoff, um, but I think Emerson has done okay considering how disastrous it looked on paper. Mm. Um, I've kind of managed to squeeze those two into this discussion. We'll bring it back to Vic. And my point being is that when you have quality players in front of you, you have a unit, a defensive unit in front of you, and you've got a very strong goalkeeper. It, it, it the, that, that belief that you've got someone behind you who is dominating and confident. And knows what to do with the ball, and and he's confident because of the players in front of him are confident. It's a foundation, it's a platform, and we've seen it earlier in the season how good our defense can be as a unit. Because you know we haven't sp- spoken about Poro, we haven't sp- spoken about Destiny, and I don't think we need mm. to today. But you know those two players are fucking fantastic. Poro has been absolutely tremendous, and we know what Destiny's how how good Destiny is a player and what they bring to the whole dynamic of Angeball and the way that we bring the the ball forward they have they they are both outstanding again i'm kind of wanting to talk about vic but i'm talking about everyone around him he just is a great shot stopper um he's he's good with his feet even if sometimes your heart is in your mouth when he's passing it around with other defenders in in the in the penalty box um but he he just strikes me as someone who is reminiscent of maybe a, like a peak Hugo Lloris, um, you know, before with Hugo. Stop, with, his, with his shot stopping, I'd say so. I think he's just yeah. exemplary with his feet, though, compared to Hugo. Like, oh, yeah, sorry, Hugo yeah. Never, Hugo was not very I mean? good, yeah, in, in, in those regards. Um, uh, good luck to Hugo, by the way. He's obviously gone off to, to LA. Quite an emotional goodbye. Half-time was a nice game. moment, wasn't it? That was yeah, nice, beautiful, that mate. moment in the end. They got it yeah. right, I think, to a certain extent. because The tone was perfect. Yeah. Well, considering he's been missing, like he's been MIA for all season, really, like he's been behind the scenes for for, yeah. for, 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 the, for the most part, that I think we've done a really, you know, we didn't really get to do the proper goodbye with our best ever player, you know, and like, you know, there was no goodbye sort of speech, really. I think the, the closest we got to that was when he was doing his um, all-time goal scorer record-breaking speech. That was kind of yeah. the closest we got to it. Yeah. But with Hugo, like, he has... I, I, I really do hope that like people realise how bloody good he has been for Spurs in the time that he was with us. Like he's the best goalkeeper I've ever seen in a Spurs shirt. Agreed. Um, like it's it's, it's the, the, some you talk about shot stopping. I mean at his peak, some of the stuff that he done was insane. I mean my favourite one is still like the one where he rolls over the line and you can't oh, tell if the ball's gone in or not. And yeah. it was just like the composure <laughs> to try and keep that out of your net was just ridiculous. And yeah, uh, yeah I, 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 I just, honestly, you know. You know 
couldn't be more thankful for the time that we had him at the club because he he should not have been with us for as long as he was with us. Should have won a trophy as well. We should have won. We we. I mean, we can say that. No, hundred percent. There's there's a with bunch the of players team. in that era. There's a bunch of yeah. players in that era who should have won should have won trophies with Spurs and didn't. I mean, he's not a trophyless player. He's won the World Cup and the yeah. Euros, deserving. Yeah, the I so. don't feel that sorry for him. Nah, like he's you know he's um I I think that we was on. It's almost like we was a bit lucky that he was a goalkeeper and not another position because like he would have been gone to any other team. But because so many there's all the big teams seemingly had already really good keepers. There's no need to splash out on someone like him. So he could just stay at Spurs forever, you know. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'll be best of luck to him, and I'm a you know, you know, I, I can look, I can definitely look back on his time with Spurs with a, with a, with happy memories. Yeah, for sure. And and you know, to bring it back to Vic as well, I think in this entire segment we, we've spoken less about Vic than than we should have. Um, <laughs> he 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 is again. Uh, um, he's proving to be everything that we didn't think he, he was could, going to be. He, I mean, he could be a better keeper for us than Hugo, let's be honest, because of his attributes and what he's got like about him and what we could potentially do in this Ange, with Ange as our manager. Like, he could go on as technically like a bigger player in Spurs history, right? Yes, is my answer to that. Obviously, there's a long way to go. He's got to be with us for a decade. Um, however, probably doesn't need to be with us for that long if... Um, Spurs actually wins, do if, things if, in the if, next four or five years. He only has to, I'll be honest, he has to win an FA Cup and he's already <laughs> going to be remembered yeah. by more people because he's got silverware associated with his name. Like, it's To, to be fair that. on that discussion, it's, that's an interesting discussion because I, I you know, there's, there's players that won the League Cup for Tottenham that I probably would never think about. Um, and I would think more about that Poch team and all the players in that team that didn't win no, anything. That's true. I mean, that's Harry true. Kane that's being very like true. the... But I, I get what you're undone, saying. Sort of undone my argument, like very quickly there. But <laughs> no, but, but and, the I, thing and is, I agree with you. <laughs> this isn't me being. Oh, here he goes. Levy apologist. He's uh, don't need to win anything, do you, Spooky? No, we do need to win something. I want that day out at Wembley when we were lost there. I was there when we beat Chelsea, and it was incredible. But it meant something because we beat Chelsea and we beat we had beaten we had smashed Arsenal in the semi final. It, 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 it that's why I remember those those, those finals. Uh, that that particular final, uh, but that's not to say that I dismiss every other team and play that we've had because they haven't won anything. I just think it would have been a nice legacy, especially mm. for someone like Hugo. But look, you know, it is what it is with Spurs. We've had our chances and we haven't taken them, and we just hope that we can do better going forward. Uh, Mickey Van der Ven might be back, possibly, possibly on Friday. If not, Man United away. Yeah, I'm more not, worried about Man United than Burnley in terms of whether he's back or not. Yeah, I'd rather he was back for. I'd uh, rather Man wrap United. him up in cotton wool until Man United. If, you, if I'm given the agreed, choice. I don't know if Romero is going to be back in time for United. If he might be back in time for the start of next. Yeah, month. I don't think he, I, I doubt he will because they said several weeks, didn't they? I know that. Yeah. Don't be wrong. I feel like they forecasted long injuries for all our players this season, and then they keep sneaking back early. But like, I think a lot of that's down to luck as opposed to them trying to. Overreg it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And um, Madison, uh, I don't think we will see him until the end of the month, probably. But it's it's looking good. Like we're getting players back just in time for um uh, the January transfer window. Now we're going to talk about the January transfer window. Uh, Fabio Paratici, Connor Gallagher as well, and the FA Cup uh, on the Patreon section. But I just wanted to end the normal 
pod section we've just just and we, we we can go into this actually we might go into this on a separate podcast i might do a filthy um a therapy sessions looking back at 2023 in more detail but just in, in in terms of that stark contrast we spoke about at the beginning of the podcast it is weird right and and also paradoxically not weird when you look back at 2023, the beginning of 2023, how we felt going into 2023 and how we feel going into 2024. Because I, I've always preached that as low as you feel about Tottenham, as bad as Tottenham have been to us, how you know how terrible the management has been and all the decision-making and the football and the rest of it, we are never far off from 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 rediscovering what it means to be Spurs again, and we've we've proven that in a very short space of time. Um, but it is still um, fairly ridiculous, as only Spurs can deliver when you do look back at twenty twenty three. Because Conte in his first season, you know, going into the summer, I was really confident we would push on. You know, we we claimed fourth spot. And it felt like all we needed to do was progress from that point. And for whatever reason, we went back to ground zero, started again in a completely different way. And it all fell apart. And there were personal problems with Conte, I know, and several other things that were happening at the club. It was just a relationship that was doomed. Um, But it was fucking depressing, mate. I mean, you stopped going to games. Everybody around me, you know, Ricky, T... Uh, Bardi, all these other, all these, all, all these other um, uh, mates were selling their tickets, not going to games towards the back end of the the season, going into the summer. Even when we appointed Postecoglou, people were like, "He's the cheap option. We've done it again. We've gone for it." And now look, look at how you feel about Tottenham now. Look at how Tottenham make you feel. It's completely different atmosphere, and it might it might blow up in our faces again. The odds are. That it will, because that's football. The odds are stacked against us. All we want as a football fan base, I would imagine, I'm not talking for everybody, God forbid I do that, but all we want is our club to do the the utmost, to do as much as they can to put us in a position to be able to challenge. And I think at the minute, we are making the right steps towards it. So I am feeling very confident going into 2024. How, How... how do you contrast 2023 to, to, to the future? I don't, I don't know if I can say anything more than what you've just said, mate. Like, I was so disillusioned with it and just genuinely would watch games incredibly... Like, I was just so numb when I was watching games uh, going into 2023. Um, and especially by the end of the season, like, it was just dreadful. I don't think I've ever... I'll never, hopefully, I'll never see anything like that Newcastle game ever again. Like, that was, that, I thought that was heading for... Like it was an embarrassment already, but I thought that was heading for real embarrassment levels of like you know territory. Like I'm talking double figure yeah. score lines and stuff like that. Um, it was pathetic, and you know I've I've um I really wanted Conte to do well when he was with us. Obviously, you want every manager to do well, but yeah, like I I I, I had to I couldn't not go completely 180 on him because ultimately he. He tried 180. To Sorry, he tr- I had to do he, that. Thoughts final tonight. Just... <laughs> he tried. He tried to completely um, just burn everything down on his way out. I like, yeah. tear everyone down with him, and I cannot <laughs> forgive that. I can't condone a manager yeah, tearing brutal. down. Like, like I'm club before player, manager. I don't care like who it is. Like I am club before Harry Kane. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. Yeah. Like, I will not accept anyone 
talking about the club in the way that he did. Like you keep yeah. that shit in house. You be professional, especially when you're being paid fifteen million fucking pound a year. Like yeah. it was it, that was piss take levels of territory. Uh, that was piss take territory. That and yeah. now to have a geezer who we've said it we've said it so many times. He wants to be here. He clearly look the, the the players clearly love you know playing for him. He's someone that I think any of us could just enjoy being in his company with. You know, it's just everything just like makes you happy about this yeah. moment of being a Spurs fan. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. It's really exciting about what we can do moving forwards at this point. All right, lovely. Look, we're going to stop there for the the main pod, uh, well, the free pod rather that's available on all podcast apps. And uh, I'm sure that's where you're listening to it now. But if you're a Patreon, we're just going to go into the Jan window and we're going to chat about one or two things. Uh, um, and just finish up before the dots start. So thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening and catch you on the next one.